You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you guys by BSW. That's Broadcast Supply Worldwide. Uh, They believe that everyone deserves to be heard. So podcasting, internet radio, voiceover, music, whatever you're doing, BSW has the 40-plus years experience in broadcasting, from the microphone to the interface, from your voice to the internet airwaves. BSW has what you need. So special discount for our listeners. That's awesome. Uh, This is the Break It Down podcast, by the way. And the promo code is DOWN. And you put that in, in all caps, for 10% off BSW podcasting packages. And their website is bswusa.com. So go buy your podcasting gear there. That's where where mine comes from. The prices are great anyway, and you get 10% off. Free shipping if you buy anything over... If you spend over $99 total. Um, They've been in business since 1973. They have a huge warehouse uh, that that ships out of the Midwest, so stuff can get to you really quickly. It's in Ohio, actually. Uh, You can get same-day shipping on some stuff. Their sales reps are on duty to take your calls 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, and they're helpful, and they know what they're talking about, and they can answer the questions that you guys always send me in Facebook Messenger about how to uh, run a microphone in two microphones into Skype or whatever it is. So uh, check them out, bswusa.com. Folks, thank you for uh, listening to this podcast. I'm enjoying my experiment so much doing this every day. It feels like low pressure. I'm very comfortable. The numbers are looking really good too. That was part of the experiment for me is to see if people would listen and like to listen and uh, could people keep up or not. And it seems like you can. And I'm getting more activity on social media and Twitter, or my Twitter at least, and stuff like that. So I'd love to hear from you guys. And I'm trying to ramp up and build a community. I've got some really good ideas of how we can uh, build an online community and launch a Patreon, stuff like that. But here's the funny thing about this. I started doing this every day. Part of the idea was I said, oh, I'll do this when Emory's doing their crowdfund campaign as a way to help boost that. And I hadn't even gotten around to it. And frankly, I forgot about that. I hadn't even been talking about it and, and, or done much for that. But Emory, the band I'm in, in case you're new, um, is funding our seventh full-length EP, and that's emorylp7.com. But we're already doing super good. And of course, we could use some more funds, and we would make good use of them. But I would encourage you to support uh, good stuff and independent stuff like this podcast by shopping at our sponsors and uh, support bands like us that do things independently. If you like it, if you're into that, I think it, it it's I think it's good. Obviously, I think it's good for me, but I think it's good for you too. I think you'll enjoy the stuff you participate in, and that's the reason to support podcasts and musicians, especially when you know you're dealing with them directly. And so this thing, like I said, has been going along so well. I even had something else that I thought would be good, another discount for you guys, and that is uh, Joey Sturgis. If you guys know who he is, he's a producer. He's done a ton of big records and somebody that I've been meaning to have on the show for a long time, but we got in touch with them, and Joey actually has a company called Joey Sturgis Tones, and they they make uh, audio tools that break down barriers between creators and creativity. Uh, And so basically they do guitar stuff and Pro Tools plugins and, and you know it's uh, I'll tell you what here's what I'm going to ask you to do I'm going to talk about them from time to time too so I'm not going to overdo it today but you can go to joeysturgistones.com and if you can explore their website figure out for yourself what products they have that will help you with your audio and recording and stuff like that but you get 20% off if you enter podcast 20 
at checkout. So, you know, I know you guys are into recording and audio and producers anyway, like I am, and this stuff is really good. So go over there, and again, it's just something I'm giving you guys 20% off of your your gear there and 10% off at, at BSW. So support those guys if they have products that you like, which I think they do. Uh, I'm talking to Ray Harkins again today. We're going to stay on this podcast topic because we did not get through it last time. And there's a bunch of more questions that I, that I wanted to ask him. Ray hosts the 100 Words or Less podcast, and he works at a company called Midroll that represents some of the biggest podcasts in the world. Um, and he has a, a vast amount of knowledge, more than I could get out of him in 45 minutes or a few hours, honestly. And he's a friend, and he's good to talk to, and he knows how to podcast because he's a podcaster, and that's always... Uh, a little bit easier sometimes than, than people that are uncomfortable talking on a microphone or on video and stuff like that. So anyway, long intro again today, but thank you guys. This thing is keeps on working. Please leave me a review rating if you're if that's a way you'd like to contribute. I would appreciate that too. And tell a friend this experiment is going well, and it's mostly thanks to you guys. Partly thanks to me, but mostly thanks to you guys. All right, let's go talk to Ray. Thank you, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Yeah. Real talk, your solid state hoodie, dude. Like you've you've worn that for as long as I've known you. Yep. I think I think I mean I love solid state just as much as the next uh-huh. dude, but I think you gotta get you gotta get a new hoodie, man. No, we gotta you, get you updated. No way. If you've been going this long with that, then why would you why would you mess up a good thing? It's starting to become even more significant than uh, than clothes at that point that it lasted this long. And you know what I'm most impressed about this hoodie is that I hadn't lost it because I lose. I mean, how could you not lose something like that? You know, I lose jackets. I've lost a lot of jackets in my life. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I mean, I, there is something to be said about the uh, the the fact that it still exists is victory in and of itself. Let me give you something else cool about it. I stole it. That's how yeah, I got even. it. I took well, it from the tooth and nail warehouse. The f- Right about the time we were getting signed, and it was they used to have this whole warehouse, all the CDs, all the mail order, all that stuff was in house, and you yep. could get approval to get stuff from there as an artist, but it wasn't automatic, it wasn't guaranteed, and I didn't get approval, I don't think, um, to take this out of there, but I got it in 2003 in the Solid State Warehouse, or 2004, <laughs> yeah, three, 2003, I got it from the Solid State Tooth and Nail Warehouse, and wore it out the door, and I've been. I haven't worn it every day since, but I have a Reggie and the Full Effect hoodie that I wear, and then under it every day, of course, is just a black T-shirt. So, yeah, it's really. Of I mean, I, I can't really anticipate a time where I'm not wearing this hoodie. No, no. Well, I mean, that was the <laughs> the, the the warehouse visit with a record label. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the best moments it where really you're just is. like, all right, let me just go ahead and keep piling it all in. I'll take everything. And where were you at Century Media? Did you say? Yeah, Century. We had it. We actually had it closed off because for that very reason. Uh-huh. Because, uh, but we just got ransacked one too many times. Yes. But then, but it, it was funny because we basically said that bands were not allowed to go back there because of liability issues. Mm. <laughs> it was the best, and they were like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Like yeah. you know, CDs may fall on your head or something, and it's like, "Well, that's totally just a, a fabrication." But you would think with a band signed to the label that they could have stuff like a. It's just it's something weird about 
indie labels. I mean, maybe they just weren't really as big or whatever. But I remember also in that same time frame when we had signed and had Emory, the week's end was coming out. We got to go to, I think it might have been, I'll tell you what, probably the same day I got this hoodie. They were going to take it. We went up there. We had signed. We got to go to the warehouse. And, you know, it was official. And then our A&R guy, who was John Dunn, who was brand new, who works in this building I'm in today. Um, to this day, he works here where, where I rent space. And he was able – we were his first band that he A&R'd. And he got to take oh, us yeah. out to lunch. And we got out of there. We got in a couple of our cars and drove across the bridge uh, from Magnolia and Seattle into Ballard and went to Taco Bell. And he said, order whatever you want. Oh, dude, and, and that's we, like, oh my yeah. gosh! And You're like, dude, we're, we're signing. Yeah, but no, we were already <laughs> signed, and then the first time they we came in, they took us out. It was to Taco Bell. We all walked up and ordered exactly what we wanted. So that's just the way it was. Yeah, that, that or it is. You, you I mean, it still be the same way, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you when you're trying to sign a band, you take them to something a little more impressive. Right. Yeah. But when they're coming, <laughs> but when they're when they're coming through on tour, it's definitely one of those things where it's just like, all right, what is like the in between between a really nice hundred twenty dollar lunch versus like a sixty dollar lunch? Yes. No. And then even when we did the question after we sold sold a hundred thousand plus copies of the week's end, Brandon took us out for dinner while we were recording the question, which had a hundred thousand dollar budget. And we went to Cheesecake Factory that time, which is a little better. Oh, but still, that, dude, absolutely right. <laughs> and then you, and then he could write it all off right. because you talked about the record. And I'm sure it's we perfect. paid for that anyway, but that's okay. But. <laughs> yeah, or maybe fifty percent of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> well, it was good to hear from you again, Ray. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you came back because we certainly didn't get to all the stuff that I wanted to last time. Yeah, no problem. It's um, my, my my pleasure. So we're all rolling. Video's good. Everything sounds good. Do you even need any adjustments? Good. Okay. Well, we'll keep all that because I like that, that story that I already told. But I want to talk to Ray <laughs> more about it. And what I wanted to, what we didn't get to, I feel like last time we were talking um, maybe a bit more cynically and negative is that's all as far as we got. So I feel like I was just saying, don't podcast. You're not any good at it. You won't make any money. Uh, you know, all that stuff. But that is important to get out of the way. And then the people that still persist are going to have a better shot. So you kind of want to weed people out that maybe scare them off, I guess. But um, I want to talk about a little bit more positive stuff. And the thing about you particularly is that you've been doing a successful podcast for a long time. And then you wound up working at Midroll. The, and how do you describe what Midroll the company is? Yeah, Midroll is the uh, like premier podcast advertising and uh, I guess content create. I, I first off, I hate the word content. The word like content so, is awful. I agree. I try yeah, to avoid and, it, but sometimes you can't. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, just want to put that out there. But yeah, we also uh, you know own and operate thirty plus podcasts on our own. So um, yeah, basically we do ad sales and we put out high quality podcasts. And it was a spinoff of of Earwolf or something like that. No, Midroll was always Midroll was never the front facing mm-hmm. consumer brand earwolf was always the like basically what your average you know person who isn't a nerd about podcasts pays attention to mm-hmm. midrolls midroll started basically at the same time i mean that's the parent company and earwolf is just it's just one a of consumer their original branding thing. things right exactly what are the other exactly. you said 30 you don't have to list them all 30 but what are the other ones that are original to you guys uh, well, as far as shows are concerned, yeah. I mean, we did, uh, yeah, we do a show called Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People with Chris Gethard. Uh, it's like a stand-up comedian that does, basically accepts oh, a, yeah, yeah, a one-hour phone call. It's really good, yeah. We did a true crime show 
early last year, uh, or late last year, early this year, uh, called Stranglers. It was about the Boston Strangler. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we have like Comedy Bang Bang, uh, How Did This Get Made? A lot of it was rooted in comedy, but now like we've also partnered up with Katie Couric, who, oh. uh, you know, is a, is a world-famous person. She <laughs> and is we do a show with her. Indeed. Um, yeah. And so you also represent a ton of shows that you don't own, but just the biggest of the big you do the ads for, right? Yeah, exactly. And so so list you, you those big, when, when you have to list the five big boys that y'all represent, who are they? Yeah, usually I go to Bill Simmons. Mm-hmm. We also represent WTF with Mark Marin. We do The Nerdist, mm-hmm. uh, Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, those are the ones, and those are the ones that people commonly are like, "Oh yeah, yeah. that's right, I've heard yeah. that." You can't avoid those if you have if you have a podcast app. You've got one, some of those on there for, without a doubt that you've mentioned. Yeah. And I just so we can't read, even we're... imagine the business behind all that. Um, but I'm going to ask you a few questions about it. I won't make you tell anybody Mark Maron's numbers or anything, of course. But um, yes. I do have some questions about how, how that works and, and genuine questions that I don't know the answer to. So, um, Cool. And what is your role is specifically there at the company? I am account manager. So basically I'm the person who, um, I mean, technically – I mean, I'm a salesperson, but I'm dealing with a lot of people who are already familiar with podcasts, but not to the extent that they need to be, I guess, kind of convinced to advertise on Mm -hmm. podcasts. Um, So, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of brands who everybody has heard of that listens to, you know, more than two podcasts. So, you know, Audible, Casper, Squarespace, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm basically the liaison. So, you know, they're talking to me being like, hey, I want to spend X amount of dollars this quarter. We come up with a, a, you know, shows to be on, what demographics they're trying to hit, you know, their goals. And then I figure out what shows it makes sense to partner them on. And then I also do have, you know, like 20 to 30 other clients that are, are, you know, do good business within the podcast advertising space, but uh, not to... Not to the extent that they're spending that sort of money that, like, you know, Audible or Casper is, but, you know, companies like FreshBooks and Little Passports. Mm-hmm. So these are people who are, you know, not big time players, but they definitely do a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Well, you something that has been really crazy to me to figure out is how unimaginably difficult it is to take a company that has not done podcast advertising before get them up that even even may be interested in it and get them up to speed and administrate that and figure out how to do it and develop the copy and then send them the air checks and then do the invoicing and the input orders and have them understand what the expectations are or what the value of repetition is and those things it's just I've tried to do it a bunch of times on our podcast especially as we've had come up and my gosh at this point I just if it's somebody that isn't already into podcast advertising it's like this is going to be a lot of work, and it's probably not going to work out anyway, in my experience. But that I don't think people understand that the difficulty of the of having it engineered to to do all that stuff. It's just it, is. Do you uh, agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a it's such a heavy lift for a person who uh, for a client, you know, a company who's interested in advertising on podcasts because it's so weird. I have to do I have to wear like two separate hats when I'm mm-hmm. talking to people. For one, I'm evangelizing for the medium. I'm like, "Hey, podcasting right. is incredible for these reasons." And then two, <clears throat> I put on the hat of like, "Hey, this is why you should work with Midroll." But ultimately, that is less important to me. I want a person who is like signing up to advertise on podcasts and has an amazing experience because this is how it goes. And I've encountered this on many occasions where a person I'm speaking to has done some advertising on podcasts and it sucked. 
they were just like, oh yeah, like I did this thing, I worked with this company, and mm-hmm. then usually if I ask more questions, I find out why it sucked because they either uh, honestly didn't spend enough money, they were mm-hmm. uh, you know has a pro- have a product that frankly <laughs> won't do oh, very yeah. well if with the it. Product's yeah. no good. It just tanks so fast. It's just crazy totally. the difference. Yeah, totally. Um, or they've worked with a company that you know frankly is less reliable mm-hmm. than a company like Midroll, who's been in the space for a long time because every. Like, I mean, you, you know this because, you know, you've worked within a sort of bootstrapped idea of a person mm-hmm. who can sell podcast advertising. Um, if you work with a company that kind of doesn't know what they're doing and the client has a bad experience, <clears throat> all they're going to do is like, <clears throat> excuse me, all they're going to do is be like, hey, podcast advertising sucks in general. It doesn't and work. And they're going to yeah. not. I spent $200 not, on this thing and I didn't say you return on by the end of episode one. Okay. It did, this is yeah. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> totally. Totally. So it's like. All, all I do is basically I manage expectations. I let people know what they should roughly expect mm-hmm. and then make sure that all of the information that they are looking for, whether it's like downloads, like you said, air checks, all this stuff that makes you know that the campaign is actually running and being executed, mm-hmm. then, you know, at that point, then it's just advertising, you know, like you can't control what people are going to be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, if people feel like they have all of the assets that they need from like, oh, yes, I did hear Mark Marin do this particular read, yeah. then I feel, I feel you know, like, hey, everything was done on, on Midroll's end, so now it's just a matter of hopefully the audience likes what we're talking about. Yeah, so when you talk about, and this is a genuine question from me that I really want to know. So I obviously like Mark Marin and his podcast, and I've watched it, even his TV show, which I know isn't necessarily an accurate representation of how his business or where his house is, and that's not his real studio and stuff like that, I know. But I like watching his show and, and seeing you know, what his life is like, and I wonder how much bigger of an organization and employees and team to do to because we I have to have Reva and Bunda just to survive week to week with publishing, doing the ad stuff, just even anything at all. I have to have two plus Toby and Joey, two people on staff just to manage what we do. And in Mark Marin's TV show, he just has one assistant kind of thing. And I'm wondering, is it a big operation over there? His podcast and they have all this this team and all this stuff, or, or is it as is it pretty simple? Over there, like the way Midroll interfaces with his shows and collecting the air checks and doing the, doing all the paperwork, everything. Yeah, it, it could not be simpler. Uh, there's literally two people that work on Mark Maron's show. It's That's Mark so Maron and, great. and his and his producer Brendan. Um, wow, basically, uh, dude, it's wild. And I mean, and I've How gotten do they to do know it. Bo- I mean, do they, I mean, tell me about dude, that. I mean, they're they're for one, they're just really good at what they do. Like Mark does nothing with the business side of things. He does nothing with the actual editing and producing of the show. He, obviously, his talent is mm-hmm. in conversating with people and getting them to be comfortable. Everything that, you know, the art of the interview, he's good mm-hmm. at. And then Brendan is good at everything else. He's good at weaving a story because he was a news producer for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's able to make sure that the content is as good uh, as what it needs to be from a consumer standpoint. Okay, and then, I'm going to slow down and even go more in depth there. What What do you mean? Like, does he does he tell Mark what questions to ask, or is he figuring out who Mark no, should talk to, or what What is he doing? That, they uh, well, because I mean, they 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 book their own show as well, as far as like guests are concerned. Mm-hmm. So you know, basically, they you know they sync uh, you know whatever once twice a week in regards to who is going to be on the show and stuff like that. But I mean, as far as like weaving a story. Um, you know, they like that is what he does after the show is recorded. You know, okay. so basically, even though Mark may speak to a person for like <clears throat> two hours, there might be only like an hour and ten minutes of like real good, solid, you know, interview stuff. Uh-huh. So 
Brendan has to chop it up and make it sound like it's completely seamless, which, you know, honestly, a good 90 to 95% of the time it is. But there are times where a person tells a story at the beginning, but then doesn't button it up until the very end. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. So he has to kind of manipulate the audio that way. But, so um, so yeah, even do- in that show, as with, I imagine, that's one of the things about podcasting that's interesting is the the notion that you can edit it in itself is is weird because it's very easy to seamlessly edit audio. But then the question is, once you open that can, it's just like you could do it endlessly and take out every pause and the whole sections. And it's, it is totally seamless. You just could not tell the difference if it's edited or not, if it's done well at all. But um, but the, I didn't know necessarily know. You know what? I have heard edits in that. So sometimes I'll hear a crossfade or something I don't think other people pick up on. But um. But that is pretty common, I guess. Most people are editing their podcasts. If there's a boring six minutes, it's just going to be better without it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And plus, it's I mean, they they have it so dialed into the flow and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I mean, frankly, you see, just because the podcasting medium is so um, spread apart now, to where you can have a company such as what you're doing, where mm-hmm. you've got you know whatever three to four people working with you, uh, you have something like Mark where he's dialed into what he does, and then you have other companies who have like you know seven to ten employees that are putting out you know whatever ten to fifteen shows. And yeah. uh, it, and th- there's enough space for it as long as people, you know, like every other business, have a sustainable model behind it. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. But that's that's incredible to me that he can do all that just with one person. You know, the email list, the appearances, the merchandise. I mean, all, there's tons of stuff to do there. You know? Absolutely. I mean, that's a big play for mid-roll now over the course of the next 12 to 18 months is merchandise just because we've seen it work really well for shows like Comedy Bang Bang. Um, we have a show called Hello, the Magic Tavern, which is like a total oddball basically it's it's about a guy who gets stunk stuck inside of a dumpster behind a burger king and is transported to a completely different world i'm not okay. even going to really like yeah I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of the most bizarre yet funny shows i've ever heard uh, but anyways we we do merch for them and that show does really well so now it's just like uh, it's so funny cuz like we discussed in our previous episode the correlation between uh, punk rock hardcore and independent music versus the podcast medium is exactly the same. Like I can't tell you how many times I access my music industry brain uh-huh. for the podcast Absolutely. world because I'm just like I'm like it's the same thing. It's and, like and in what way does that apply to merch? Uh, it because no one's done merch. <laughs> no, no podcast is like oh yeah like they, they you, because you don't think of it as being like oh I need to do merchandise for a podcast because it's like what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. But if it's a, if it's a show that has a decent following that likes to you know, signify their love for that particular show, then they will buy a piece of merchandise. So what um, works and doesn't work merch-wise? This is interesting to me. I yeah, don't have any, uh, but I'm going to take your advice right now. <laughs> what are yeah. you I've actually been working on some merch, and try, I'm going to launch a Patreon and try to just keep something real simple and interactive, and I, I want to have some designs and some stuff, but I feel real dumb about just saying the name of the show, the logo, and selling that shirt. That doesn't seem adequate to me. No, exactly. You need you need to have, um, you know, what the merch that we've seen do well is a lot of the, um, you know, sort of uh, inside jokes. So it's like you're yeah. not just going to put you're not just going to put the name of the podcast on a shirt and then it'll sell. Mm-hmm. It'll have to be like this particular catchphrase that just happens to come up time and time again, yeah. or a certain in joke that happens. Uh, so it doesn't need to ne- necessarily be connected to the comedy world. 
to have successful merchandise. Like I'll use an example. This isn't a show that Midroll has anything to do with, but I listen to, I devour it. Uh, it's a Pod Save America, which was called Keeping yes. It 1600. Yeah. yeah. So those, do, those dudes do merch, and their merch looks great, and it's just like, you know, they don't have Pod Save America on the shirt. I mean, I think one of their shirts does, but then they do, you know, three or four of their shirts that are just like friend of the pod and like, you know, straight shooter from both sides, just like stuff that they've said nice. over and over on the show. So I think, you know, as long as your show has a reasonable size audience and it's the, either common themes occur then there is i think there is space for you to look at monetizing from a, a merch standpoint but you know it's it's harder for like interview based shows because mm-hmm. you're not having the you know the same recurring things come over and over and so I, I you know i get your personal trepidation i mean i'm the same way like i would never do merch for my show because i just it doesn't there's no space in which it would make sense for me to do so but mm-hmm. other shows you totally see it happening in the same yeah. way that you you know bands on warp tour will sell you know ten to fifteen thousand dollars a day and then some bands will sell two hundred dollars a day yeah. and that's like the same parody exactly so speaking of that the interview based shows we discussed that a little bit last time about how they're not maybe the best upstart or maybe don't have the biggest upside or future or are easy. And so I would love to talk about what you have noticed or noticing or are hearing is, uh, you know, future applications of the podcast. And before we even do that, I will take this moment to say a recommendation. And that is, uh, I just just finished listening to S-Town. Have you listened to it yet? I have. Yeah, I finished it last week. And you may have not liked it. I won't put you on the spot to say you liked it, but I loved it. I just oh, I loved enjoyed it, it. Just so unbelievable. It's just... So well done, and the subject they chose, and I just, golly, it just breaks my soul to, I can't, I wish I could make something that good. I don't have, don't, <laughs> you know, maybe one day, but I mean, you know, that, but that always confuses me in the medium of podcasting because, man, those NPR and Serial and American Life, I know they're podcasts, but they're just not made like podcasts when you think of podcasts they come out of radio they're a very specific thing and of course they're better than this i i know that everybody knows that but they're made a different way with a different thing and i think they're retrofit fit to podcasts and of course it works and it's huge and i'm telling you you got to listen to that podcast everybody but um it's kind of retrofit to this medium and i don't even that i don't know is is the the future future of podcasting it's just something that works right now but yeah, no, it's no, I totally agree. I mean, from what we've seen, the the stuff that, you know, shows that are so there's two ways that you can develop a successful show. You know, one of them is is coming up with a original premise. Like I'll, you know, I'll use the the Chris Gathard beautiful stories from anonymous people. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of hit in a real interesting time because the the theory behind the show was it's like, hey, you get to talk to an anonymous person for an hour and then they can tell you some of their deepest darkest secrets. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not. Um, but after we listened to the first couple episodes, it was like this show is really really good mm-hmm. and it started to develop an audience on its own. And then, um, you know, like a month and a half into it, This American Life did a piece yeah, on... that's what I yeah, heard, they, yeah. Exactly. So it's like at that point, his show just started to explode just because yeah. of the, the, the original premise and then it happened to have good promotion behind it. Um, so that's one way. Or the second way is, like, I mean, dude, S-Town, that started getting developed in 2014. You know, Three he was... Three years yeah. he spent just yes. following the story and didn't even know what the story was. He just... Met an interesting exactly. guy, followed him around. Yep. It led where it yep. led for three years. And in the credits list, 20 people. I mean, good yeah. God. Oh, totally. Because all, all, yeah, because all, I mean, 
the luxury that companies like when I say luxury, I, I'm acting like they're like some huge conglomerates. And it's like, yes, NPR and a lot of these, uh, you know, prestige radio companies have more time to spend on stories because that's all that they do. You yep. know, they're, d- it, Brian, the host of S Town, was not just doing that one story for three no, years. Yeah, he, right. So it just happened to be that as they started to collect the tape, as they say in the biz, <laughs> that they started to really, really understand how that narrative can be crafted and how the story is developing. But it's funny because this show completely illustrated the fact that th- this there was no resolution to the story. All it was was like a, a piece Don't of literature. Don't give anything away, though. No, no, I won't. No, but but I mean, but it's like all it was was a piece of literature, right? You know, it's like you felt like you were reading a really good story, mm-hmm. and then you were done with the story, and then that was it. Yep. And it's like this could it could have been a character from you know To Kill a Mockingbird, right? <laughs> it's like it, it, that's what it felt like. So it's really interesting. You're going to see that be a focal point over the next you know whatever. 18, 18 to 24 months, people are going to try to recreate that. They're going to try, but I don't think... I mean, first of all, there's so many th- things at play there. The focus of the character on the story is just an absolute gold find. And then also, that guy Brian is like senior producer, long time at This American Life. So he's as talented as anybody yep. at the tape collection and editing and everything about it. So go ahead and try to make something like that, everybody. Some, somebody will figure it out. But I imagine people will stumble into... In attempting to do stuff like that, there's something other stuff's going to emerge. That I don't think it'll be. I think it'll have to be something even simpler than that that will emerge as effective. But that doesn't seem that. I mean, it just seems like you know it's going to be really hard to create something at that high of a level for for most podcasters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that's not that's something that you are able to do because it is your full time job mm-hmm. and you are paid you know whatever sixty five thousand dollars a year to produce stories for a variety of different channels you know it's like he he could be producing shows for you know this american life he could be producing shows for you know marketplace like there are so many avenues in which these people can be plugged into and that's why it's easier for companies like that to have people chasing down stories from all across the board so it's not a like you said it's not a sustainable model but on the flip side there is something interesting to be able to focus on in regards to uh, doing you know a limited run miniseries where it's like all right yeah. we're going to be doing ten episodes on the like I'll use the you know example I mentioned earlier in regard to box Boston Strangler, so this sh- the show is called Stranglers. We partnered up with a production team, so it wasn't like all on us. But um, you know these people had collected some tape and you know done some interviews on it, and then we were able to work with them in order to basically get it to the finish line. Mm-hmm. So. I think that there, I mean, granted, a lot of resources were put into it. You know, it was not a cheap show for us to produce, but, um, you know, we felt like the story was compelling enough to make it uh, easier for us to be able to get it off the ground. But um, that's definitely something where if people feel like they have a really, really specific, uh, you know, point of view or story, like you see it now too with like almost every single, not every single, but so many different uh, newspapers have some version of a podcast, whether it's like, you know, yeah. they do a true crime miniseries or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just see that starting to happen where people that are already developing stories for their full-time job can now do it yes. in audio. So yeah. that just so makes it So it's easier. getting all this weird stuff in there that, like I said, is retrofitted. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to quantify what the, the medium is because that I don't... I, I would tell people you should think of podcasting and you say, I like podcasts. That's like telling... I mean... Really, you should. That's like telling somebody, I, "Oh, dude, I love compact discs. They're the best." 
that you yeah. don't mean that doesn't mean anything. It's just it's just a way you listen to. It could be who knows what you put on them. And so just saying you're into podcasts or podcasts are a certain thing isn't even that's not even a valid statement really. It's just it just happens to be a medium that people can consume in. But there is no rules for it. And there, I don't know if there's a purity to it. Like oh that's not a podcast or podcasting's supposed to be this or supposed to be live or it's not supposed to be live. It's supposed to be in your bedroom and you know stuff like that. So that brings me to even doing like video. Like I do this on video. Is uh, are many people doing that? And some people say that's not podcasting. You're doing this production thing. You know. I, but I, I don't know if there's a purity to podcasting or, or if there's any philosophy there. I, I personally haven't seen it because all of, at the end of the day, it's just about audience engagement, you know, mm -hmm. and however that's being driven, whether, you know, because we do represent shows from a mineral perspective that are just solely on YouTube, you know, so we're essentially repping, you know, video shows that, that don't are, even have a podcast feed. They did that. They don't have a podcast feed. Like we're, uh -huh. you know, we're basically the, uh, you know, the broker for their YouTube channel. Awesome. Um, I, I mean, that's not something that is a huge thrust of our business, but there are partners like that we have developed over time that still bring people in that they work with. And then, you know, it obviously pipes over to us. But um, I haven't noticed the, I mean, honestly, I would equate it again back to the music industry of the, you know, oh, their first seven inch was the best or their mm -hmm. demo was better. You know, yeah, like yeah. I don't. I don't see that happening as much, mm -hmm. but the the biggest thing that I do see is what we were talking about in our first conversation, where you know people are looking at this space, the podcasting space, as a very per, you know uh, like a vulture, where it's like, oh man, I can't wait to like dive in and you know pick for the bones and make some money. Those mm -hmm. are the people who it's like, uh, yeah, frankly, I just try to uh, zone out and are just like, hey, if you're trying to make money off this thing, like that's cool, like so be it. But you're going to be gone in a year when you know podcasting isn't as quote unquote lucrative as you once thought it was because actually it takes effort and time to do in something order to develop good, at least. Yeah. So exactly. what is that? Is that the is that the type of thing where you take somebody with enough Twitter followers and stick a microphone in their face and then say this will work? Is that is that well, the approach you're talking about? Uh, yeah. Well, that's one of the approaches. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's you know not to uh, shed light on a company that we are in kind of direct competition with, um, but you know, there's a company out there. I'm not going to name it by name, not because I don't like them, but just because that is their model, and I don't yeah. really want to you know give, give them credit right. where credit is due. But uh, that's exactly what this company has done. Where basically mm -hmm. it's like, hey, you got a you got a lot of people, so like uh, you know, following you on social media, like you probably have something interesting to say, and so, like. 95% of the time, like those shows are terrible. You yeah. know, it's just like, because they, that person has no yeah. idea what that actually means. They're just like, oh, so it's a radio show, right? I'm supposed to mm -hmm. act like I, oh, I'm supposed to talk about radio voice or whatever. Yes. And like th those are the shows that really, really just, you know, fall flat and you know, no one's going to listen to, no yeah. even if they are of high stature. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's something off about it if the person doesn't learn how to own the, the format. So I, there is something inherent in the format, though, that you have to pay attention to. Um, and I can't think of the best way to, to say it. So the format isn't, I mean, you can take a TV, there's people that take their TV shows, daily TV talk shows, and throw them in, a, they have a podcast feed too. Or even morning radio shows do have podcast feeds. But those are extra and on top of, and, you know, a sports show with enough listeners of course there's people that catch up on the podcast feed but if you natively go to build a podcast and you're speaking like you're talking on tv or the radio that is something wrong with that like not <laughs> not morally it just yeah. it violates what most people are thinking about when they're thinking about podcasts so there is something to it i suppose like what is inherently yeah. valuable in this medium no, absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about, I mean, we, I, I hear it occasionally from clients who ask me the question, 
hey, is this a radio show that's ported over to a podcast? You know, mm. is this like his day? Is this this person's daily thing that they do on one medium and then try to transfer it to another medium? And you know, if it is, I'm like, oh yes, it is. And then they're like, oh yeah, we just we just get less engagement on that. Like it's not yeah. only is it cheaper, it's it's cheaper for us to run on the actual radio show. Um, so why would we spend more money? to have less results. Okay, on stop a- right there a second. So it's cheaper to per thousand people you can reach to buy radio advertising than podcast advertising. If, I, I, and I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on radio because I've, I've never mm-hmm. done any media buying or I, I don't know how mm-hmm. that actually works. But if you're talking about like a, a just pure CPM ratio, mm-hmm. yes, your yep. radio is far cheaper because you're buying... Because uh, you, you buying, know those people aren't paying attention. That's why. Uh, the, yes, and then you're also, but but on the flip side is if you were to do a radio campaign in order to have any level of success, you have to spend yeah. a crap load of money because your advertise you have to not only pick like the radio shows that you want to be on, but you have to pick what time of day it's running, how many spots you're going to be running. You have to run like almost, you know, three to four X times the amount of what you would do on a podcast. So yeah, it's kind of like a, you probably were spending the same amount of money, you know, apples to apples, but But you know, one and spraying it a a lot more too, you know, like a podcast. If somebody's listening to a podcast, that's because they want to. Every single download, every single stream is like, I came here for this thing, or else you're not there. And radio, you can have on the background, and you do, you know, whatever. You're not. There's not high engagement kind of thing, so not yeah. valuable. And I'm wondering. You mentioned YouTube earlier. How do you find YouTube in that regard? Is it is less uh, valuable per impression? Uh, I guess. N- yeah, we uh, yeah we we typically tend to charge less on on a CPM basis because uh, at that point all we're really doing like we're selling streams as opposed to actual downloads. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the streams are, you know, in the ecosystem of media buying, are less valuable than an actual download. Um, so yeah, we're selling that at a little less rate than what we would for a typical, like, you know, if it was just a straight up audio ad. And it just, and again, it's, it's something about the, the the medium itself because I do video and I use it promotionally, and of course, I just publish those to YouTube, which is searchable. And so I figure I should have a, my YouTube channel blow up, but I can't get anybody to watch a damn thing on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's no, it's hard. everybody. I have a huge audience here, but n- nothing on YouTube, and it's the same show. So it just yeah. fits this format. I don't know. It's- it does. Well, I mean, b- again, because you're, you are looking at YouTube as a promotional vehicle for your podcast. Mm-hmm. You're looking for people to do organic searches on the people that you have on your show or whatever. And then, but you know, in turn, you're hoping that those people will become engaged with That's you true. on the, the actual podcast medium as you know, it'd be a different story if you were doing video first and then you try to port it over to audio, you know, but like you're, you're, even though you're providing production value, as far as like, you know, you have a nice looking studio, like you look professional besides your solid state hoodie. Um, mm-hmm. just kidding. That was just an easy joke. Sorry. No, I was going <laughs> to, I was going to piggyback that and say, did, have they changed the phrase to you have a face for podcasting? Is that updated? <laughs> So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got a fa- you got a face for radio right. and podcasting. Right. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it, it's not it's not the primary thrust of what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you want at the end of the day, you want more people subscribing to your feed. And if that if YouTube is the a vehicle for people to get just at least know the name of your show, then that's cool. So, what would be what are the things you're hearing or seeing as the trends as uh, as sustainable emerging new uses of the medium? Um, I mean it. it it really is the the 
I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. So you have shows that, you know, at the core of everything that a person does, you should enjoy it. Like, and yes. that, that is like the mo- the number one rule with a bullet that you need to, you know, whatever, come up with original premise. It doesn't even have to be like this, you know, counter revolutionary thing of just like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to change the audio space by doing this show. But the shows that I see becoming successful and sustainable are the ones that either are appealing to a demographic that maybe isn't currently represented within podcasts. So it's mm-hmm. like you're talking about shows like I'll, I'll, I'll use a very, very prime example. Um, there's a show called What Should I Read Next? And uh, Midroll represents it. When we first brought her on to our network, it was a, a very tiny show. Like when I say tiny, I'm talking about like, I don't know, 15, 20,000 downloads, like totally like uh, sizable in regards to uh, podcasts, but not in the context of midroll because midroll, like we mentioned previously, you know, we're looking at shows like 50,000 plus downloads Mm -hmm. per episode. So, but the reason that we took her on her show is because she had done a listener survey where she was able to yield a high amount of respondents of people that are engaged with the show and are like, yes, I will take a five-minute survey to tell you who I am. Oh, so just the fact of how many people will take it was indication enough for you guys. It, that was indication, but then also the results that it yielded. So it's like this per, they, this show is a particularly high female listenership, like 90% plus of her audience is females. And so that was a audience we felt was very underserved within our portfolio of shows. So when we brought on her show, it was, I mean, it, I use this example because it just makes me so happy because she, you know, she now, I think she's sitting anywhere between 70 to 90,000 downloads an episode. Nice. Um, we consistent, we consistently sell her show out because her audience is super engaged, loves the ads that we put in front of them, interacts with the ads, buys the products because it's like a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because we've been able to help her monetize the show, she's able to be more consistent with her content her show keeps getting better she's attracting more people so it's kind of that perfect um that perfect example of how a show should be uh, in regards to because i mean she's talking about books that you should read like that is not a revolutionary idea but she's a good host like she takes care of her content mm-hmm. oh god her content i keep saying that sorry but she takes care of the content of her show and because of all those things kind of coming together it just works yeah no that makes sense but uh, um I, what about, but what about entire, I don't know about new, like, so, for, you know, it comes to mind that shows dump their content on there. All these people do, churches, that they, churches were actually pretty early in podcasts, and they just put the sermon audios out, and those things do pretty well, even though yeah. they, they don't seem to ever put ads on them. I think they have something else in mind. Yeah, but, yeah, but, um, yeah. But, and then there's some shows that are educational, and that's the one that interests me the most, is just the educational spin on it. In my observation, now everybody knows Hardcore History, Dan Carlin's show and stuff like that is, is would be an example. Um, but there's a lot of shows that seem to offer somebody an educational value that I think makes people feel, and I don't know another way to say it, but less guilty. Like it's not like throwaway entertainment. They're like, oh, I'm listening to the show and it has a historical element or how stuff works or you know when you feel or I guess inspirational podcasts are that way but those are pretty cheesy for the most part but if there's something that you feel like you could take away a self-betterment or an educational thing or whatever I think there's something in your brain that just tells you you don't have to feel guilty about wasting time 
to being entertained. Like you feel like you're gaining. And the best part about that is I think this is probably one of the best ways to learn stuff. I just really think it's one of the easiest ways to absorb it. When I think about a third grade, is it better to listen to a good podcast or a third grade teacher that makes $36,000 a year? You certainly know the answer of which one is better for learning. And so I think your brain even just rewards you for, for doing that. So I feel like that's, I see a lot of that. And that might be kind of one angle in the future of, of shows and use of the medium would just be purely educational. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what a lot of people, uh, if you pull people, the main, you know, one or two reasons why they listen to podcasts, it usually, you know, towards the top of the list is usually not only to be entertained, but then to learn something. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why you see so many shows that are successful in that context. Um, you know, it, it's, and when I say successful, it's like they maintain a level of quality. Their, their downloads don't drop. Like basically they lock people in and they're like, oh yeah, that becomes part of my listening repertoire where mm-hmm. it's like, I will always listen to that show once it comes up because, you know, I feel like in the same way, the, the way that people listen to podcasts is the same way that people watch television or watch movies. They have their, you know, quote unquote guilty pleasures of shows that may not provide any susten- sustenance mm-hmm. knowledge wise but are totally like a fun listen and an easy hang and like just everything they want out of that. But then people are going to want to also feel that tickle of like, Oh wow. Like now I know, like, you know, I'll use an example in my own life where it's like, I listened to, uh, you know, how crate and barrel got started on uh, that show. How did this get built? Uh, it's on mm-hmm. an MP and it's like, cool. Now I know how crate and barrel got started. I don't care about that, <laughs> but like now, yeah. but now I, now I know that. Yeah. And so, but, the, but you do, I, you feel good you about might, it. There might be real more value there than you think. I really believe that, that some of that kind of, it's, it's so round. It's so the opposite of school. No secret here. I'm, almost anti-school entirely. I just don't, not, not a good for me. Um, but here's what I think about that is their, their school and traditional things require teaching. And I think the best way to learn isn't from a teacher personally at all. It's, it's be, be around smart people and listen to them and you'll learn. You just will learn. I mean, that's just, that's like, and podcasts afford you that opportunity. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, and so it's weird because Teach and one of the downfalls of teaching in itself is you define a subject, you refine it, you make it super narrow, you make the textbook, and then have an untalented or semi-talented communicator tell it to you very narrowly, and it applies very narrowly to how you'll use it. Uh, sixth grade math, whatever it is, but you never learn comprehensive stuff in the educational system, like, and you don't get experience, and you don't, and everything's so separate, uh, specialized is the word I'm looking for, that you don't learn mm-hmm. that much. But if you learn about Crate and Barrel and how it got started and how that worked, I mean, I bet there's a ton of latent knowledge that you ingested to a very high degree that will color what you think about when you think about companies and stores, and maybe you're starting a company, or maybe you heard this or an inspirational thing about the, I don't know what was on the podcast, but I guarantee you there was tons and tons of useful stuff that you probably now possess in your brain. And you learn through somebody talking about Crate and Barrel. I think the amount of learning you did, I mean, can you imagine what you didn't learn in a certain lecture in even college or eighth grade that you spent 55 minutes in, what you retained? Zero, almost zero. And you've 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 been listening to 55 minutes of somebody talking in classes all your life and learning jack shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the way I no, feel no, about it's, it. You know, so totally. That's, well, I, you know, that's what I think because 
Yeah, well, I mean, all of it comes down to intent and active listening. You know, it's like active when, listening. That's it. When you when you are a person who um, is actually showing up to school and engaged with that, be, for whatever reason, whether it's a good teacher, whether you just care about the subject matter, you're going to get so much more out of it. You know, and I know that's like an old adage, like you get what you put back into it, but that there's a reason why podcasts are so popular from the educational aspect and not even so much from like, you know, the iTunes university thing where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you, do you want to download like a three hour Harvard class? It's like, yeah, you have that option. But like, to me, I'm yes. just like, that doesn't sound, that doesn't yeah, sound but, interesting. But that's what gets really interesting about it is I've done that too, by the way. Like I went through a whole child development course uh, from Berkeley from a really, really good teacher. And I did, uh, I don't know if you know who Paul Bloom is, but I did a whole philosophy thing from him on there. But, and it was good but it's not that's probably not for everybody it's a bit more academic but when you combine education with entertainment now you are cruising it just that's how you know what i mean it's the combination so a mit student can listen to a lecture that could be recorded in audio format but that's literally a lecture of something he's studying following up with doing supplemental reading on and, and it's specialized and that's great that's yep. nothing nobody can knock that but no. but if it you're more casual adding somebody who's a good communicator or funny or like you said a good teacher then that that goes a long way but it needs to be entertainment as well so when you fuse the two together i think that has to be the future of education so if there's a teacher in your high school that is is good um he he should have a podcast you should record what he says that's that magic guy and then if there's a teacher that's not so good she shouldn't be teaching you she should give you a podcast to listen to (laughs) (laughs) no totally no it's a very it's i it's a very very valid point and i think that's where yeah, I mean that's I mean, the YouTube beauty as well for education. Of yeah, course, but. absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, anytime you have a person, you have the ability to access information that you are willingly seeking out, that you want to become better versed at, you're going to get so much more out of it, anyways. Mm-hmm. And just the fa- just the fact that we have those opportunities to be able to tap into you know audio and video like that is is unbelievable. And it's like it's just yeah, it's it's an incredible time to be in that space and to be able to uh, figure out how to develop. Um, interesting and engaging stories within whatever it is you're passionate about. I mean, that's why podcasts exist. It's beautiful. Yep. And it won't exist forever. It just won't. But I mean, it, part of it is the passivity of like, you know, like it's like it's closer to ex- life experience than being around smart people. It's the only way I can think of it. It doesn't have to be smart people, funny people, interesting, <laughs> whatever. But um, uh, right. but it's, it's passive. It's like you, you, you could study being an auto mechanic but it's better to just intern at the garage, even though you'll be getting coffee and doing tool runs and maybe not even being taught, but you will learn more there. So even showing up somewhere to be entertained and absorbing things is still got a better chance of having you be rounded and, and stuff sticking with you. But again, I mentioned YouTube is obviously a great thing, whether it's original content, how-to videos, storytelling there. Those things are still very, very powerful and underutilized too. And then I keep thinking... You know, this is just all early practice for humanity figuring out what we're going to do to communicate and teach each other and really, you know, make humans even better. And I think, I mean, you know, we're coming up on VR, which is a topic I don't know anything about, but I'm excited to, I'm going to try and get some people on here to talk about that because video and audio and entertainment and education, they seem to be all headed the same direction to me. I don't know what that future is, but it feels like we're practicing on these really early, I mean, Podcasting is a pretty goofy. It's actually a pretty old medium. It's not advanced technologically even at all, but it's still useful. Yep. So I think these things 
it will fuse. But do you think there's uh, uh, you think podcasting has a you know is is temporary? Uh, I don't. I mean, I think the uh, even removing my own uh, you know selfish needs that exist within the medium. I don't. I don't think it is because there. No matter what you do to the medium of audio, it's always going to be intimate. Whether mm-hmm. it's whether it's music, whether it's people speaking, nice. it's always going to be intimate, and people are always, no matter how disconnected you feel as a person within the context of the world, you're always going to be able to be pulled in by humans communicating and hearing voices yeah. and hearing well, sounds. That that's a good point. I didn't even. I'm going to incorporate that into my thought too on the fact that your brain rewards education. Your brain's certainly wired to hear humans talk to you in a comfortable tone that you can trust and take away from that's i mean that's how children learn they just observe their parents doing that and that's how they learn everything they know so yeah that that your brain's literally wired to receive the best information probably through audio from someone in an intimate setting it's probably true yeah absolutely i mean and i think like every other medium uh podcasting is going to wax and wane is going to grow in popularity i mean Mm. frankly right now it's all there's there's no other sign than pointing to the increased popularity yeah. of podcasts. Like Good. It, I'm it's glad all, to hear that. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, there's there's no way because the the curiosity and appetite for reaching an audience that like is engaged with stuff like that's it's there's no way that that's going to you know all of a sudden erode uh-huh. to where people are just going to be like oh I'm not going to listen to I'm not going to listen to anything anymore. Uh-huh. These are people who have um, you know developed really intimate relationships with shows and the medium. Even if you're a casual listener, it's like if I were to you know take away this American's life, this America's life feed, people would freak out. People would be like, what am I going to oh, yeah. listen to? Oh yeah, you know, oh, no, that's true. Yeah, you're right about that. Is so it is podcasting is exploding or going to continue to by all signs that from the industry. Side that you're aware of, because I hope yeah. so. I'm sure I'm putting a lot of resources and time into it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, there's the the two things that I always look at where it's just like the, uh, the not only the uh, increased listenership because people it still takes effort to listen to a podcast, mm-hmm. and the more and more barriers that come down between people and listening to podcasts, it's only going to grow larger. You know, like yes, there's going to be a plateau right. to it eventually. Yeah, but. You know, once it com- once it comes to a point where a person is going to be able to get into a car and press a podcast button, and stuff will be delivered directly to their audio, you know, whatever thing they are listening to, there you go. it's going to be so much easier. You know, and when you press a podcast button in a car, all of a sudden it's going to you know spit out you know interesting It'll content. Be like the to you. XM, you, you get a exactly. real car, it's got XM, and you just go, well, "How's this work?" And it says rock, bluegrass, reggae, uh, right? Psychology, News, yeah, comedy, ex- whatever, and you'll just exactly it'll be that accessible, yeah, totally, and purely, to- totally, yeah. totally. So, like again, as those barriers become less and less, um, because I mean, whatever you look at the the begin. I remember when I first started getting into podcasts in like you know two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I would have to download them to my computer, pull them off of my iTunes into my MP three player. Oh and then yeah, that's unpl- right. Yeah. Oh, dude! I mean, That's it was right. like I did that too. It was, on an yeah. iPod, literally an exactly. iPod, way before it yeah. was iPhone. That's right. Oh, dude! When you could download podcasts directly to your phone, game changer. You're, You're just right. like, yeah. wait, yeah. 
I'm removing a step in this. So again, as that starts to peel away, you're just going to see more and more listeners. And the fact that so many people are investing in this space in regards to not only research, but just the ability to give uh, quantifiable data to people who are advertising in mm-hmm. there. There's just so much attention that's being paid to that. That, um, And frankly, there's just too many, too many smart people who are working on this and feel passionate about this that all of a sudden in like three years, we're going to look at it and be like, oh, that was, that was cute. The podcasting was popular for like three years. It's like, nah, man. It's, wow, it's, I'm it, so glad it, to it's, that. <laughs> but it <laughs> yeah, does really attract some really talented talented people you know to the medium because yeah. you, you wind up having the freedom like russell brand has a podcast now of course joe rogan when you get people like that and i guess the way they look at it is like well this is kind of the ultimate gig if you can get it and do it at a high level it's like you really can do what you want to do and what yep. else would you rather leave this to go do it's not i mean i don't i think of it as a destination for me this is what i want to do i hope for a long time but i don't i mean it doesn't make sense really to use it as a gateway to eventually get film roles i mean it could happen or to have a tv show that'll get canceled after two seasons or something i mean that might be all well and good if you can do it but you know this is a this is probably is a better gig than that if you can if you can do it well yeah because you're developing your own channel you know Mm -hmm. like you're you're literally developing you know channel seven million seven hundred seventy five thousand and four and that that is your own channel and like you can do whatever you want with it and so yeah it's it's there's nothing but excitement as far as this end of the spectrum. Not more and more companies industry. all the time coming in, right? We can expect more good advertisers with even better products that we'll be able to share with our listeners and stuff like that, you think? Well, yeah, and you're also talking about... So. Um, yeah, I mean, you're talking about people who are using the space in the same way that they use radio and television, you know, where it's just like, hey, these are branding campaigns, you know? The more and more uh, we see of that on our end, or it's like, you know, for every... Dunkin' Donuts and you know Pepsi that are coming to us. Well, Pepsi may be a bad example for this particular moment, but <laughs> yeah, you're but right about that. anyways, they have they have pow- sorry Powerade. That's I'll use that as an example because yeah. they recently did a small buy with us. But it's like they're just you know all these all these companies of that level are testing podcasts out, and uh, you know whether it works for them immediately, it will still be something that they can use because you know every new medium presents challenges to old media and. All it is right now is getting, you know, people who are or companies that are used to advertising in one medium and then porting it over to something else. It's like you know they're they're busy trying to still figure out what digital advertising is. You know, they're mm-hmm. just they're still busy being like, all right, well here's programmatic and here's what banner ads and like banner I, ads, I gotta yeah, figure that's this. A good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And but dude, people, I mean, people still spend so much money on that and it, it's like it 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 yields diminishing results more and companies mo- know how to use it because it's simpler of course but it's not better is that is yeah. the difference in that brand marketing and the, it, or direct response marketing are those correct yeah, terms those are totally okay. yeah yeah D- okay. yeah, so yeah we call dr advertisers are the ones that are asking you to act on an offer whether it's a sale whether yeah. it's like visiting a unique url whatever those may be but then a branding play is simply just when, once you get to the point of where you are in the market to buy a car to you know do do a larger life decision or even just a smaller life decision where you're at Target and you're like mm-hmm. looking at trash bags and you're like oh yeah that's right like Glad 
And the only reason you think of Glad is because you maybe heard of them on a podcast ad. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the the top of mind branding that yes. companies are now and starting to experiment Just with. now, because that's harder, because they can't tell, you can't tell return immediately like you can direct response on that. So that's been harder. It's so we'd we love it if more companies get into that. And I'll yep. take this opportunity to thank my brand sponsor. I've got one. Um, and it's BSW, Broadcast Supply Worldwide. And they make podcast equipment and sell podcast equipment and microphones and sent me this microphone and a bunch of stuff that I use in the studio here. Here. And so I have a friend that I used to work with at Guitar Center, and he then it now is a big rep for this company. And he found the podcast and had his audience, and we've connected and had dinner a few times and figured out that this would be really good. And I hope people will support them because they help me pay for the studio and, and this kind of stuff. So even on the real small level that I'm on, I'm able to started playing around with brand marketing and so I feel very fortunate for that and thankful yeah. for them as a company at least somebody I had personal trust with I'm not going to go out and cold call companies and say they should brand market really on my you know if yeah. I don't have a connection to them but I think this one's going to work so I hope people will, will support that and see that and hope we'll get really good companies that come on and just put a logo on the podcast and let the person take off and do it that'll be great and I'm really yeah. glad to hear Ray that the podcasting is is on the up and up I'll just keep checking in if, if you hear it's going to go down will you please let me know before everybody else <laughs> yeah I'll be, I'll be like Matt Matt bail out dude pull out immediately yeah. just let me know so I can be ahead of the curve and on to the next thing and start putting less time into this kind of thing <laughs> yeah exactly all right Ray I'm good for, for today thank you for coming back on we'll do it again no problem man all right talk to you soon Okay. And let me make sure everybody knows to to what to not see to download Ray's podcast is a hundred words or less, and I think we said it last time is a hundred words dot com is the yeah hundred hundred word I think hundred words podcast dot com yes. is very good. It's as uh, Ray describes as evergreen content, so you can go back through the whole thing. It's not he's not doing news every day or anything like that. He's talking to uh, musicians and. Uh, creators and stuff like that and he's got some really really good episodes on there so if uh, anyway check it out and thank you again Ray my pleasure appreciate it hey guys Devin Shelton here let me take just a minute and tell you guys about our company called BC Supply now some of you may already know this but I play in a band with Matt and Toby called Emery Since we've been in the band, we have been fortunate enough to have traveled the world many times over. And and I'll tell you what, even though it's amazing, it can take its toll, not only on you, but on your stuff. We spent many years making absolutely no money at all on the road, so we had to buy really cheap stuff, products that were convenient for us, but just not quality or sustainable. With BC Supply, we wanted to offer the same type of products, things we use on a daily basis, but have them be high quality that will be durable, sustainable, and comfortable. We work with small independent companies throughout the U.S. on products like leather wallets and belts, wool beanies, duffel bags, apparel, sunglasses, coffee, and more. And these companies are people who handcraft many of these products themselves. So if you're like us and you want products that will last and you're willing to spend a little more money less often, then make sure and check us out at bc.supply. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference. 
All that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.